You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, as we alluded to, we have some very special guests with us tonight, and I just know that you guys are going to be blessed by what is what God is going to say to you through them. We had the opportunity to uh, hang out for lunch today, and and I was already blessed by just uh, some of the stories and just who they are, and and I know that you are as well. I'm talking about uh, the Reverend Emmy Wilson, and she is a curator at Holy Trinity Brompton, which for many of us here is a church well known to us. Uh, for many, uh, we know it as the Alpha Church, the church that started the Alpha Course, and Emmy's role in that is that she pioneered the Alpha Course into prisons. And, and there's some incredible stories that come with that. She's also been designated by the Anglican Church as uh, the worldwide chaplain to prisons as well. And there's an amazing story in that. Uh, her uh, colleague that is with her tonight, but more than a colleague, a really good mate, seeing the dynamic between them, uh, their great friends is Pete Jones, and he's the International uh, Deve- Development Manager for the Alpha Course in Prisons. Uh, you're going to be blessed by him, so I'm going to stop talking. Why don't we welcome him up, give a nice big welcome. It's uh, Pete and Emmy. I'm to grab a seat. Thank you for being with us tonight and a whirlwind tour. I take it you've been doing some training around the corner at Northside Baptist and then where are you off to from here? You're... We go to Adelaide on Tuesday and then on to Fiji. Oh, wow. Tough gig. Uh, yeah. I'll go to that training course, church. Sponsor that. Um, and we straight into it. How did, how did all of this come about? How did Alpha in prisons come about and and how's it running globally at the moment? Well, I guess it began personally with a change of my heart. I I was a nurse and I nursed people with HIV and AIDS in the early 80s and realised actually how offensive my heart was to God because I was very, very judgmental. And uh, God showed me that actually he loved me just as much as he loved the patients I was looking after. And as a result of um, God changing my heart and at the same time God changing the church, from the point of view of we had services on a Sunday and a small course called Alpha midweek, but we didn't have any outreach whatsoever to the local community. And we realized that if we didn't have that, that actually we weren't fulfilling the gospel, which is to go out and to do the things Jesus told us to do. And so I was invited to join the staff in 1985 to to start a street ministry. Um, And that led on in uh, 1990, uh, my vicar, Sandy Miller, telling me that he was on the board of visitors of a prison in London, the biggest women's prison, and that the chaplain was really needing someone to help with all the pastoral work there. And I thought he was just asking my advice because I was on the staff as to who might in the congregation get involved. And then he actually said, well, I think you'd be rather good at it. And I was horrified because I never dreamt I'd go into prison. And one of my life verses... (laughs) One of my life verses is Proverbs 16, verse 9, which says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord ordains his steps. And the course of my life was going to be nursing career, meet Mr. Wright, fall in love, get married, leave my nursing career, get pregnant, have six children, motherhood, grandmotherhood. But it didn't work out that way. Um, And so I started to work in this prison. And then in 94... um, I guess you could say I fell in love with Jesus in a completely new way. I just, I went bananas for Jesus. I really did. Um, I couldn't stop laughing, crying. Just, I had this cry from my belly that went, whoa, Jesus. It was like, yes, I love you so much. And uh, yeah, it was like, Shandy who has is that? that? You know, time, yeah. I was quite a normal person, you know, known as a, 
ex-sister of the hospital. But anyway, I went bananas for Jesus. And whilst going bananas, I said, Lord, here I am. I don't mind where you send me or where I go. And three months later, we had a lady on our Alpha course who was loving everything she was learning. And she had a boyfriend in prison. And she wrote, or rather spoke to her boyfriend and said, you've got to do this thing called Alpha. So he actually rang through to the church and Nicky Gumbel, who currently runs our course and has developed it, um, he spoke to him and said, would you come down and introduce Alpha? And Nicky said, my diary's quite full, but I know someone I can send. So I got the call from Nicky saying, you, you do prison ministry, please would you take a team down to Exeter Prison? And I said, no way. He said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, Nicky, I work in a women's prison. I could never go into a men's prison. And he said, um, look, just talk to the chaplain. He sounds really nice. So I did. I rang the chaplain. He was charming. And before I knew it, I'd written a date in my diary. And on December the 12th, 1994, I took a team of seven people down to Exeter Prison. Mm. And the man who had invited us was sharing a cell with his dad. Together, they had been caught importing nearly five tons of cannabis worth nearly 13 million pounds. That's about $26 million. Yeah. And... Um, the Spirit of God fell in that place. There was chaos. There were people on the floor. There were people crying, laughing, people trying to run out of the chapel. But God actually <laughs> spoke over those two men, the father and the son, that every prison they would move on to, that the Spirit of God would break out. And so God used two prisoners to spread the Alpha course around the prison wow. system. Wow. Yeah. So I've just been running to keep up with them. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, Pete, you're talking about changing prisoners. How, how have... How have you seen Alpha change prisoners in that regard? Um, it's an extraordinary thing when you go into prison that there's so much need. And uh, I think the thing about these guys is they don't really know who they are. And uh, I remember, um, and by that I mean that they see themselves in such a negative way. And they don't see themselves how God, how God sees them. And I remember standing, I, in 2007 I was running the Alpha course in a large prison uh, uh, called Bullingdon Prison, rather unpleasant place uh, near where I live. And I always go out in the corridor before the uh, course starts. Uh, the guys are hanging out. It's free flow, so at about 2, two o'clock, um, the whole prison is moving around. So I go and hang out in the corridor because you just see everybody and meet everybody. And uh, I'm talking to some guys, and this guy comes down the corridor. And he's, he's a bit of a barrel of a man. He's quite wide, not very tall. He's about in his mid-40s. And he's got some guys with him. And he just walks straight up to me and goes, who are you? And I said, I'm Pete. Who are you? And I shook his hand and he said, I'm Pele, the drug dealer. Mm. And he's got his boys with him. And there's a quite, he's kind of testing me out. He's, uh, later he said, I was wondering who, why you were smiling so much. Why are you smiling in prison? <laughs> and uh, so I'm shaking his hand and he said, I'm, I'm Pele, the drug dealer. And something, it annoyed me that that's how he defined himself. Mm. So I said, no, you're not. And the kind of the attention starts sort of, uh, everyone starts looking, what's going to happen here? Uh, and he said, yes, I am. That's what I've done all my life. And I said, that's not God's plan for your life. Mm. And I said, if you want to find out what it is, come in the chapel, unless you're scared, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he sort of takes his hand away. He says, come on, boys, we're going in the chapel. <laughs> and they all came in and sat down and... Within an hour, he'd given his life to the Lord. Wow. And he, he just didn't know who he was. And his, it, it, for about a year and a half, I, I worked with him. He was, just, he was the biggest drug dealer in the prison. And um, we had issues to work through, like the, 
the prison then thought that all the drug dealing was going on in Alpha, <laughs> which uh, we had Probably to sort true. that out. Um, <laughs> How dare you? Um, in my course. Uh, so so uh, we had a few issues to sort out, but he brought people every week. Every week he would bring new guys. He was a leader, natural-born leader. And I used to say to him, you have to be very careful where you're going because there's a lot of people following you. All the guys with him were in prison because of him. They were all his dealers. And uh, it was just an extraordinary thing to watch this guy change and, and a heart of repentance. God just got hold of his heart. And he just spent about a year and a half in a real place of repentance. He'd been responsible for quite a lot of deaths, and he knew that. And uh, he brought loads of people. 74 men came to faith that year in, mm. in the, in just on, that one, on those three courses that we ran. And it, trans, it changed the prison. That was quite a big percentage of the prison because these are guys who came really out of darkness and they were very different characters. Um, so it, it dramatically transforms these guys. His dream now is to buy land in Italy where he's from and turn it into a drug rehab center. That's who he is. Mm, wow. So these powerful, yeah, powerful stories of transformation. And I think, Abby, too, you were saying that, yeah, there were some stories. Did you have a, a clip yeah, I've, or I've got some, some photos. photos so if, if we could just have the I first one. I don't know if our... So um, for any of you who don't know what the Alpha Course is, it's, um, it started in our church in 1978. Um, it was just a course at that stage for new Christians. And then every curate that joined the church developed it and when Nicky Gumbel came on the staff he realized that when he had his small group discussion that everybody in his small group actually hadn't yet become a Christian so he realized this course was an amazing course for people outside the church to investigate faith so um, uh, it's run over 15 weeks and when I did the Alpha course in 1980 I was one of eight guests and on the current Alpha course I think there are 600 so we have between 600 and 1,000 on every course now. So we're just a small course that's grown. But this guy, um, Eddie, he twice tried to come on the course and twice had to be turned away because he was so drunk. And Nicky Gumbel said, you know, he hates to turn people away, but if someone's rolling drunk, they just, they're not going to learn anything anyway. But on the third attempt, he came. And uh, halfway through the course, there's a weekend away when we just have the teaching about the Holy Spirit. And that's when... Many people's faith comes alive because when they experience the love of God for the first time, that's what transforms them. And he was prayed for, and he experienced the love of God. And from that moment on, he started to change. And the next photo is taken um, just mm. two years ago when he went to uh, Skid Row in California to do a global alpha training for the homeless people on Skid Row in California. Mm. He is utterly transformed. He's the man who will always be serving the teas and coffees. He's the man who'll be praying. He's the man who just, you know, every time I speak to him, I cry because there's so much of Jesus in him. And yet, you know, that first picture of him on the streets, you probably would just turn away from him. But that's the man who he is. And he um, has been healed of hepatitis C. He's been healed of so many things. I mean, God has literally just transformed his physical body. Mm. So that's Eddie. Then the next picture, this is a guy called Shane. Um, Shane was listed as one of the six most violent prisoners in the entire country. He was on a home office list. He hated everybody. He hated himself. He hated everybody. He tried to kill several prison officers with broken glass. He smashed their faces. 
Um, he was kept in segregation cell, and if ever he came out of it, it required six armed guards with full right uh, gear on to actually you know, go with him wherever he was going if he came out of his cell. And then a friend of his um, in the prison he was in uh, did the Alpha course and then said to Shane, come on, you must come on Alpha. He said, no way. And then the friend said, they serve chocolate biscuits. <laughs> and he said, I'm coming. <laughs> and so he came on Alpha. And uh, on the Alpha Holy Spirit Day, he uh, was prayed for and didn't experience anything, went back to his cell. And then God spoke to the chaplain and said, go and unlock Shane, bring him back to the chapel and pray for him again. And the chaplain said, God, this is Shane. You mean you really want me to do this? And God said, yes. So he unlocked him, brought him back and laid hands on him again. And then Shane talks about this sort of bubbling feeling that starts in his stomach, comes up and up and up and up. And then he bursts into tears. And he says to the chaplain, don't tell anyone I've been crying. (laughs) So the chaplain said, don't worry, no, I won't. And then the chaplain hands him, if you can imagine, this is a Bible and says, Shane, you're going to need this. So Shane's taken back to the wing, and the first thing he does is he runs up to the officers and he says, Jesus is real! Jesus is real! (laughs) And he literally was a Saul who became a Paul in that instance Mm. of prayer. And then this is the next photo. Um, This is Nicky Gumbel interviewing him at our church just a few years ago when we were starting our next Alpha course. And um, Shane is utterly transformed. We were just saying earlier that he... He has such a tender heart, actually. He's just such a soft... He's like a sort of big, soft puppy, if that's... Yeah, I don't know. But um, he just... He loves Jesus. And when he came out of prison, he quickly married someone. And within, um, <laughs> within four years... Next picture, please. He had four children. So he's got An- <laughs> Angel, Grace, Isaac, and Jacob. Wow. And all those kids love Jesus. He teaches them about Jesus the whole time. Wow. And I, um, I got an email uh, no, today on, um, he, yeah, on Facebook, because we're friends on Facebook. He wrote this. <laughs> he says, it can't be denied the huge change in my life. At one point, I could never back down and could kill easily. But now when I think of the past, I cringe at the idiot I was. The people who knew me in old times, please think about it. Think about how I was to now and ponder on why the changes, in brackets, God is real. Mm. And, you know, he, he, couldn't get a, he can't get a job at the moment because of his p- past crimes. But whenever he goes to job centres, he gives them the gospel. And uh, <laughs> he does. He's, he's told hundreds of people the gospel. And uh, so we've employed him as our caring for ex-offender representative in the northeast of England. And uh, it's, so, it's so sweet because when we got him a computer, he put a picture on Facebook of his little computer in a tiny little office. Um, but he recently came on our team retreat. And, uh, yeah, he's quite a man. And he loves the Lord. So yeah. if God can transform a man who is listed as one of the six most violent criminals in England, he, he can transform anyone. Mm, wow. So it's amazing to see these, these lives and, um, and to see the contact that both of you have had to the reality and the power of God because we often talk about Christianity as more than just a set of beliefs but a power. And it's just so wonderful to hear you talk that way. Uh, we've seen that in the individual lives. Uh, I guess the flip side of the coin is how is that power and all these stories affected the churches that have been involved with all of this? Uh, I, I don't actually attend HTB. I, I'm mm. on staff there, but I, I work at, I, I attend a church in Oxford, which is about 50 miles west of London. Uh, it's a big inner city church, Anglican church. 
And uh, as, as a result of the prison work we were doing, um, I went to speak to the, the rector there, and I said, I said Charlie, we've we, we got some guys coming out of prison. They want to come to church. Um, <laughs> people usually find out when they hire me, I, I fill their churches up with trouble. But um, <laughs> Charlie said, that's fine. And, and it, they really have been amazing. And uh, they've actually employed uh, two guys, one who was a lifer, um, another guy had come out of prison and we, and we gave him a job and, and uh, we've got a, we had a small kind of group that was looking after vulnerably housed people and uh, people with learning issues and we kind of changed it into a, a caring for ex-offenders group and uh, consciously we did that and then in 2011 I, I just went to the church and I said we've got to buy houses um, which was an interesting <laughs> idea um, uh, you know the church had, had money and there were some people there who had uh, money to invest. And I said, why don't you put it in property? Uh, we'll manage it for you. You can get the capital growth. You can get the, the income off it. You can get the rental money. But we will manage it for, say, five years. Just pledge that to us. And we've now got five houses that we uh, put ex-offenders in. Because uh, 70% of the men coming out of prison are homeless. 70%. And, you know, it's an accident waiting to happen. And uh, so it was, a, it was a huge issue. The church has really stepped up. We, we've got a large group of interns and volunteers who help with uh, an ex-offender group. We run on Monday nights, on Wednesdays, uh, lunchtime. We have a Bible study. And uh, we're just uh, gradually just absorbing these guys into the church. Um, there's, I went to a 40th birthday party of a, a guy I met in prison uh, about eight years ago. And... Uh, Lots of church members were there. He's just become a normal member of the church, and he spent 17 years in prison. Mm. He was—he he got a life sentence at 17. So he's—he's uh, he's an amazing guy. He's got a master's in finance, and uh, he got the top of his class out of 100. I mean, the guy's a seriously bright guy. But these guys are—the—the uh, the thing is, then it's not us and them. You know, it really isn't us and them. I think sometimes in our societies we define who we are by who we put outside of that social group. And I think we need to really think about that. And uh, uh, we, as, as these guys come into the church, we learn about God's grace. Because if ever I want to uh, get a good explanation of what grace is, I ask Richard. I say, Richard, will you, you tell us what you think grace is. Now, he's t- he took a life, and he understands what God's grace is. Mm. Uh, and we we need that kind of grace. We need to. If ever I if if ever I wonder about God's grace, I go on to E Wing in our prison, which is where the sex offenders are, and I watch God blessing those uh, men in exactly the same ways as He blesses you on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same. It's the mm-hmm. same Holy Spirit, the same love for those guys, and I just I just marvel at God's grace. And I think that's what working with these guys has taught me is is that grace is grace. It's not about us, it's about him. Mm-hmm. And we need to learn that as a, as, as a church and reach out to those uh, guys who, who've you know, done bad things. And at the same time, we, we, you know, we do risk assessments. We're not naive. <laughs> and uh, we make sure that those guys are managed. They actually have a contract with us uh, that we sign, so we have agreements about behavior. And uh, so we have to manage it. It's a messy ministry. We know that. I would say it's a bit like pushing treacle uphill. Some of it comes back at you. And, uh, but we just keep going. And, uh, you know, I've had guys who have done the Alpha course, they're back in prison. We do the Alpha course, they're back in prison. 
we do, I'll just keep going with them. I decided a long time ago that that's how I'm going to do it mm -hmm. and uh, not to get disheartened um, because we all mess up. Um, you know, if I mess up, I apologize to my wife for raising my voice at my kids. If they mess up, they're back in prison. It's still mm -hmm. sin. You know, mm -hmm. it's just different. And, and so I think we've got a lot to learn from having them in our midst and working mm -hmm. with them. Let's cry. Can, can I just add, um, I mean, in our church um, is in central London and uh, used to be known as a very posh church. It was where all the society weddings took place. And um, when I first worshipped there in 1980, uh, there were only white people, um, twin set and pearls, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but today we have a lot of flat nose freddies that noses go that way or that way and earrings and tattoos and... Um, it's enriched our congregation beyond... That's just the women, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> beyond anything you can imagine. And I would say that um, both Sandy Miller, who's now retired, uh, but also Nikki Gumbel, who's now our vicar, they would probably... Well, I know they love the prison ministry. They love everything to do with it. So we've just had our annual leadership conference at the Royal Albert Hall, which is our local t town hall, but it happens to be 5,000 people. And um, one of the guys who gave his testimonies was um, a man from Zambia, Paul Swala, who uh, ended up in prison. I think it was a... Was it fraud? Oh, it was a, a crime was, against... No, he was part of a military coup. Coup, that's right, soldier. military coup. And he was one of 62 men condemned to death. And whilst he was in prison, he did Alpha, became a Christian, and said to God, God, if you should spare my life, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And when all 62 men went to court, the judge read out, he said, that I, I am releasing one man, and read out the number, and it was Paul Swaller's number. And initially he didn't recognize his number because he just assumed he would be going to the gallows like everybody else. But he was the one of the 62 who God released. And he's now out of prison and he is head of prison fellowship in Zambia and also head of Alpha in Zambia. And he spoke and um, we had Joyce Mayer also speaking at our conference. And she, one of the comments she said at the end was, I will never forget Paul Swaller's face because on stage he, um, he has huge chubby cheeks anyway, but he just went... Jesus, I just love you, I love you, and had this huge <laughs> smile. And Joyce Mayer said, I'm going to take that back as my main memory from this leadership conference, yeah. which is quite something coming from Joyce Mayer. Um, but, wow. you know, those are the sorts of treasures in these prisons that are just waiting to find out about the love of God. And once they're anointed with the Spirit of God, then there's nothing that stops them. And um, the, the guy who first got me involved in the prison ministry, Michael, who was sharing the cell with his father, I mean, he's such an evangelist. He, um, <laughs> he, he ran a flower shop for a while, Clapham Common Tube Station, if anyone's ever been there. And if ever I went to pick up some flowers, because he usually gave me a free bunch, um, if other people walked into the shop, he would say uh, to the other visitors, oh, this is Emmy, and, and she loves Jesus, don't you, Emmy? And I go, yes, yes, I love Jesus. Mm -hmm. You never met the person coming into the shop in my <laughs> life. But, um, you know, Michael just tells everybody about the Lord, and he loves the Holy Spirit, and he helps on. We do a recovery course. It's a, a course for people in addictions, and he does that in Pentonville Prison, and just, yeah, he just loves the Lord, and that's what I love about these people. They are utterly transformed, and I, I put on Instagram an hour ago a picture of Shane and me on our retreat, and I, I wrote, Shane Taylor, mighty man of God, 
And then I put 2 Corinthians 3.17. Uh, uh, hang on, 2 Corinthians 3.17. If any man be found in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. And I've mm. already had so many likes just mm. on that one picture. And that's, you know, we've got the best ministry in the whole church. So if you guys aren't involved in prison ministry, get involved. Because this church will be transformed. You'll be transformed. Your families will be transformed. You'll have stories to tell around the world. And just do it. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a video. We have a video. Michael, can you put that video on? This is a film that we made um, very recently from uh, Rwanda about Alpha in prisons. My name is Parti Emanuel and I participated in the 1994 genocide against the Tutsi. I murdered many Tutsi under the order of bad leadership and have spent six years in prison and four years in community service. While in prison, fellow prisoners invited me to try Alpha. I went but struggled to engage. I realized I needed to tell the truth about what I had done and wrote a letter asking for forgiveness of the relatives of those I had murdered. Life was so hard after being released from prison. I found my wife with two children that were not mine and I faced many heartbreaking situations. I didn't know how I was going to live with the genocide survivors after what I had done, my heart was filled with agony, loneliness, and fear. Encouraged by Alpha in prison, I decided to do Alpha again. I learned that Jesus forgives and experienced love in a way I had never known before. With the help of a local pastor, I went to find Vincent, whose mother and grandmother are killed, to ask for forgiveness. I now live in a village built for genocide survivors and perpetrators. Vincent lives in the same village. We have formed a friendship and I now experience peace like I haven't experienced it before. Day-to-day -day life continues to be a challenge, but I have found forgiveness and healing for the things that I've done. God questions about life, try Alpha. It's tough for us because it's, uh, we've just been, yeah, my head sort of just exploded today. You know, thanks Lord for bringing these two Brits into um, our lives and all of this and seeing the way that God has worked through you both. And one of the challenges that I've been grappling with um, was just to see the amazing stuff that happens. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, how do, how do you get to that point? A, a lot of our struggle here has been, or oh, not struggle, like, yeah, wrestle. We just come out of a series of radical generosity and talking about the way that it's more than just being, I guess, technically generous, a church that's well off and given lots of money. But, you know, the last week, you know, God's been challenging us. That Ephesians 2 says we're God's workmanship. He's created us. Um, we're his artwork. He's created us, um, you know, to do the works that he's pre prepared in advance for us to do. I think in some ways, any way that you guys can, can link 
I got a sense of this at lunch, but I guess a link to your own journeys, I guess is our final question, that we see something like that and go, that's just off the charts, that God would transform someone's life through a ministry that you've pioneered in that way and so ridiculously. Um, are you able to link that for us? And I guess just where, where did it begin for you both? How did it begin? I, can I just read a scripture that um, so challenged me and was part of my journey? Um, because at the word of God for me is, is where it all begins. Um, so this is James chapter 2, where James says this, If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accomplished, accompanied by action, is dead. And that word is dead. I thought, oh my goodness, I can't just have faith. I actually thought when I prayed the prayer of commitment to Christ that I could now sit on a magic carpet and float until I got to heaven. I didn't know that there was anything to do once I became a Christian. But that, those verses just propelled me from a comfortable place of coming to church and just you know, receiving, as it were, every Sunday mm-hmm. to thinking, wow, I need to get active out there but also the other verses were um, Matthew 9 35 um, where Jesus looked out upon the harvest field and he said the harvest is is ripe but where are the workers Mm -hmm. and then he said ask the Lord at the harvest to send workers out into the harvest field when I when I went on a retreat weekend and that was the scripture that was used um, I remember thinking no one else in the entire world has ever read that scripture that scripture was just written for me because <laughs> I knew God was sending me out into the harvest field. Mm. But thirdly, um, I also went on a New Year's weekend. This was just as I was in that sort of place of wondering in my nursing career what was happening. Um, and on that New Year's weekend, I was with 30 friends. We had a speaker from a local theological college, Wycliffe in Oxford, and he took as his theme for the weekend, vision. Have you got vision for your life? And I smugly sat there thinking, yes, I know where I'm going. But he basically invited us to kneel down on the Saturday night and to ask God what his vision was for our lives. And as I knelt down, in my mind's eye, I saw this beautiful yacht. And it was sitting in a blue azure sea. But it wasn't sailing because the sail was wrapped around the mast. And um, so in my mind's eye, I I sort of released the sail. And as I did so, the, the wind hit the sail and I fell over on the floor. And it was in the days when you didn't particularly fall over. And I remember as I lay there on the floor thinking, wow, I'm moving. I'm on a journey. And that too was so significant because I realized that actually God does have a vision for our lives. 
but actually often it's not what we think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And every time God's moved me on in my life, it's always been me digging my heels and going, Lord, I don't know why you're doing this, and I don't really want to do this. But out of obedience, I've followed him, and it's been the best thing possible because God knows where we should be. Mm. And I think we underestimate actually how beautiful God's plan is. Mm. And I'm just so glad that I was obedient because otherwise Pete and I wouldn't be sitting here now and we wouldn't have the best job in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, uh, I, was, I wasn't saved till I was 27 and I actually had quite a difficult uh, time when I was a teenager, very isolated. I, I did a lot of drugs and uh, got involved with some stuff I shouldn't have got involved in. And I, and I, so I never felt like I was kind of better than anybody. Um, but God really spoke to me th- again through scripture in Isaiah 45. He says, I will cut through, uh, b- uh, cut through gates of bronze and bars of iron and give you treasures hidden in the darkness in secret places. And uh, he, with that scripture, he said, he said, go and find my lost boys and show them the way home. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. He'd shown me the way home. I was lost. I really was lost. And it was Jesus. I was looking for all sorts of things and, and reading philosophy and trying to meditate and doing just all, anything to find my way home. And I came across this person and said, I am the way. And so when I go into prison now, I'm just, you know, I said, where are God's lost boys? I, I know where they are. <laughs> They're in prison. And I go in there and I just show them the way home. And it's easy. It's easy. You go into, you know, I go into a, uh, a room full of prisoners, and I'll say, who's in charge of your life? And one of them will say, I am. And I say, how's that going? <laughs> <laughs> I say, what about trying something else? Mm-hmm. And there's the gospel right there for those guys. That's the good news for them. There mm-hmm. is a way home. And, you know, these guys have, have just had rubble poured down on their lives. I can't tell you how many victims of crime there are in prison. When you start hearing their stories, you think, I'm amazed you weren't in here earlier. Mm. You know, when you hear guys who are so broken and, and messed up, and you think, why are they like that? And you start talking to them, you find out they were put in cupboards and starved and beaten and just abused from a tiny age. And then you wonder why they become drug addicts, because they're anesthetizing their emotional pain. And why they end up in prison and doing crime. Because they just had no, nothing in their lives that they could rely on. And when God, start, God then starts healing that pain, the source of that pain, and they learn to forgive, it changes everything. And so I think for me that journey has been about um, the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's like water. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like water. And if you pour water, it just flows to the lowest places. So if you find the lowest place around here and go there, guess who's already there at work? I don't go into prison to take Jesus in there. I go and see what he's been doing since I came out last. That God is so at work in the low places, whether it's just uh, you know a, a people group that's just having a hard time. The lowest places in our society is where God is, is most at work and where you can get involved easiest. I'm lazy. I don't like to wait around to see what God's going to, you know, to, for something. I go into prison, I just see God working like this all over the place. That's, so I'm not very spiritual and I'm quite lazy. That's why I do prison ministry. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got time just for me to say yeah. about Paul, Kylie? Yeah.
Um, there's a guy called Paul Carley who now heads up this ministry worldwide, um, as in, uh, well, he's, well, anyway, it's, but his story was um, terrible family upbringing, uh, parents, both alcoholics, uh, expelled from three schools, I think, left home at the age of 15, got involved with a street gang, um, got involved with the police, uh, ended up in prison. Not a long sentence, but long enough to scare him, and joined the army when he came out, spent nearly 17 years in the army. And his mother died towards the end of that time, and she'd just become a Christian, and he found a Bible in her belongings when he was dealing with her house. And that started him on a journey of searching for God, and he ended up on our Alpha Course at HDB, became a Christian. He had been um, married and divorced twice, left a son, age, last time he'd seen his son was age four. And his home group said, look, you've got to stop praying that you'll reconcile to his son. And he said, no way, how, how will I ever see him again? Anyway, he's been reconciled to his son. And I took him on a prison visit um, because I needed some team. And um, then God spoke to me and said, that man's in the wrong job. Uh, he should be helping you develop this work. So eventually he joined the staff. And within weeks, God spoke to him and said, you should be ordained. So he got ordained as an Anglican minister. And now he heads up all this work um, internationally. And then just last year, the Queen gave, awarded him the MBE, which is one of the awards that she gives to people. And he got the award for starting uh, the Ministry Caring for Ex-Offenders. So I love telling his story as well, because there's a man whose life was in ruins. He was in prison. Two marriages, two divorces, now an Anglican minister and an MBE. So you can't get much better than that. Um, so, wow. yeah. Wow. Just, we could tell stories all night. Yeah. <laughs> has, this, has this been all right? Yeah. It's been worth... Uh, we, we went a little bit longer than oh, we sorry. normally... Is that okay? Yeah, yeah I, was just, I was just stretching this because this was just... This is just unreal um, hearing this. And, yeah, there uh, could be so much more we sense that the both of you have. But I think what... Uh, what I feel like we're taking away from this is um, we serve a powerful God. <laughs> we serve a powerful God. And, and I think, too, from today in, in hearing you both, this has, never been, this has never been about Alpha. This has been about Jesus Christ um, through Alpha and um, the incredible way that um, it's been used as a, a vehicle for God's um, blessing and power in the world. The other one for me was just to... Um, and Kristen reflected the same as we're just reflecting this afternoon on you both. It was just um, your obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit, um, to God himself, the, the another Jesus of the same kind, that um, he's been present and he's pushed you both. And that sense that if we want great things to happen in ministry, then sometimes you've just got to do things that we don't want to do and be open to God's agenda for our lives. And, um, and we see amazing things happen. And so I just want to thank you both for um, opening up in this way. Uh, I just felt led to tonight to go um, that a, a couple of things I think for all of us as we keep wrestling through what we're going to do as a church. Um, part of me is going, oh, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, Sam, you know, I've got to start an alpha course. We'll run an alpha course. Um, and then God said, no, someone here's got to start an alpha course. Um, and I want to throw that out to us because this has not been a stitch up in that you guys were just coming through and the only way that we've connected is because uh, we wanted to bless the Alpha ministry with our conference centre and they were here a while back with the Youth Alpha crew and so we've just had that connection and, and to be honest and maybe I've got to repent of that because I've been so in awe of this is that we thought well 
Emmy and Pete sound pretty cool, so let's just do that on the 31st. That sounds good. And God has blessed us immeasurably. But I think at the same time too, church, if we're thinking about serving and what we do, um, then there is enough people here that are yet to be engaged that if there be someone that's led that way by the Holy Spirit, it's not Sam that's going to run it for, for 15 weeks. Uh, maybe someone here at Northside wants to do that and we could talk this week and work it through. Maybe there's a couple of you and maybe the, how that, that's how God's going to work and we just see what God um, does um, with all of that as well. The other one I've been led with too is that um, maybe you're just checking this whole Christianity thing out and I think um, I want to thank you guys because it's, it's almost like it's been six, six weeks worth of preaching would just not get across half of what you guys have, have shared in terms of the power of the gospel tonight and um, the prison ministry has been a way for these guys to work out their vehicle but um, there's not just the physical prisons but um, there's spiritual prisons uh, that we are battling and trying to minister to here on the lower north shore and uh, you may be in a spiritual prison tonight uh, you may not be truly free and if ever there's going to be a night where I can say hands up as a pastor that I think that we've um, clearly, God has clearly spoken who Jesus Christ is and his power. It's been through both of these guys and their ministry tonight. And so if you are that person um, and, you, there is, um, and you are in a spiritual prison or you, you've got questions uh, or you just want the power of Jesus Christ in your life, there's going to be a ministry time after this. And, uh, and we just want to pray with you. We want to talk with you. And there's every opportunity for you to embark on the same adventure that so many other people have as well. So I want to thank you both for ministering to us. Uh, you've been such an incredible blessing to us. And um, I guess our last question was, is there anything in particular that we could be praying for you as you continue your ministry? Pray uh, for the Pete's um, problem with jet lag. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad I stayed awake on this comfortable sofa. <laughs> That would have been embarrassing, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's good, yeah. Yeah, well, I think going to Fiji would be great just to pray um, yeah. that we really uh, get through to the team there and that um, they're very keen to get Alpha going in their prisons. Yeah. There's a lot of problems with alcohol and a lot of poverty there. Yeah, um, that's great. But just that God continues to see lives transformed. I mean, one of the things that we hear so often is that Jesus actually appears to people in their cells, um, angels, you know, just just the supernatural as well wow. as um, the hard work of going into prisons. Come pray for New South Wales. We've got, yeah. uh, you know, as of yesterday, we've got two courses starting in, in the prisons um, after the training event. We hope to have another one tomorrow. These are, these are chaplains who have agreed to run Alpha, and we're, we're trying to... We don't just want the chaplains to run Alpha in prison. Uh, what, I want, what I want is for the churches to be running Alpha in prison mm. we, if we want prisoners to come out uh, to the church we need the church to go into the prison and it takes more courage for an ex-prisoner to walk through the gates of this church than it does for you to walk through the gates of a prison and that takes some courage so just um, just that the churches will step up in New South Wales and that when we come back we'll hear that there's 24 courses running one in each prison <laughs> and that thousands of lives are being changed because when mm. these guys get radically changed, their whole communities get changed and we'll see a transformative society from the bottom up. I really believe that. Mm. Well, it's all there. Um, food for thought. And uh, we want to yeah, thank you guys uh, immensely for blessing us in this way and just pray that God continues to work 
in the unseen uh, in all of these areas of, of your ministry. And, he, and, and what's clear in chatting to you both is yeah, he's already at work. And so next time you go back in there, you just get the update on what he's already been doing whilst we've been yakking on the lounges in Crow's Nest. So let me um, pray for you both as we uh, lift our eyes and our hearts up to the work God's already currently doing.